love. Some would say it took a backseat when the pandemic forced us apart. As a family-run and proudly Canadian-owned company, Charm Diamond Centres saw the need to bring us together with tales of love and created the Canadian Love Map podcast. Since then, we've shared hundreds of real, uplifting stories that prove love conquers all. So thank you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, love starts here. I was so touched because the children in Sunday school all walked for joy. And I could look out the window and see them walking by. It was, that, that touched my heart that these little children would care enough. Hi, I'm Nancy Regan. This week's love story belongs to a woman aptly named Joy. At 102 years of age, Joy reminisces about her handsome husband, Jack, who she lost over 30 years ago. We'll also hear about another love story that's taken her by surprise in the past year. It's added richness to her life and made a difference in the lives of others. Hi, Joy. Hi, Nancy. Thanks for joining me today. A pleasure. I want to talk to you about two different love stories today, but it's not what people might think. They, they might jump to a conclusion when I say that. Oh, how disappointing. <laughs> well, we can talk about as many love stories as you want, for the record. But first, I want to say that before you met your husband, you had a full life, a more full life than a lot of women did in your day, so to speak. Tell me about growing up and, and uh, what you did as a young adult. Well, I grew up, my father was in the army. So that's quite important because I lived all over Canada except the maritime provinces. I never came here. But uh, we moved about every four years. So I went to school. I started out in Ottawa. And then we moved out to Winnipeg during my teen years. I loved Winnipeg. That's a wonderful city. I'm sure it still is. That was a few years ago. <laughs> but uh, no, I uh, ended up in Toronto. And when war was declared, and so I joined the army. Why not? I was brought up in it. And uh, so I spent four years in the army. And I actually didn't meet my husband until the end of the war. I met him when I came back and was in Montreal. And uh, he was in the North Nova Scotia Highlanders and a good maritimer from Prince Edward Island. Well, that was all very interesting to me. And before I knew it, we were married in the cathedral in Montreal, and then very quickly he was transferred to Cape Breton. Well, that was brand new to me. Okay, I'm going to back you up for a second because you just pranced right past the courtship. <laughs> well, there wasn't a lot of that. Tell me about <laughs> meeting him. 
Well, I met him because a cousin of mine from St. John, New Brunswick, came, and he had been... <clears throat> he was with Woolworths. He was uh, stationed in... He was moved to St. John, New Brunswick, and uh, had nowhere to live, and a friend of his knew of this delightful lady who took paying guests. And uh, so he moved in with them, Jeannie Haycock and her mother. She was an entertainer and uh, an awful lot of fun. But I never met her, but she was a cousin. And so he was moved from New Brunswick to Montreal. And so she decided she actually was in love with him. But She uh, was in love with Jack? Yes. Oh. Very much so. The plot thickens. <laughs> it's a little awkward. So anyway, <laughs> she wanted to come for the weekend, so that was fine. And she arranged a party at the uh, Sherbrooke Hotel in the Contiki room, I remember that. <laughs> and uh, it was at noon and on a Saturday, and all her maritime friends were meeting there for drinks before lunch. So I had a job. I worked at that time for Jaegers, and they had the most beautiful clothes, British clothes, and I was modeling a coat, and uh, I had to do this job before I could run to the Contiki room and meet all these people. You you were modeling. Yes, I was. I did. I did some modeling. And you were modeling a fur coat. No, it was a beautiful red wool coat, really beautiful, and. Uh, so when I finished the job, I was late, so I thought, I'm just going to hop in a taxi and get there, and I wore the coat to the uh, drinks party. And I ran in, and I have always said that uh, Jack fell in love with the coat. <laughs> Not me. But anyway, Jeannie took one look and she said, well, I guess that's that. She knew the chemistry between the two of you right away was... She seemed to be able to see it. So there we are. And What was your first impression of him? Well, I didn't really notice him very much. He was handsome. But, but we went on all day, you know, party, party, and... Uh, we were young, and uh, the war was just over. We were ready for anything. So it started right there, and uh, I just continued to see him, and uh, eventually we got engaged, and we were married in the cathedral in Montreal. Not a very big wedding, because... I was not young. My friends were all married with children, 
I, uh, I waited. I, I went, I was overseas in the army and I, I had some romances, I must admit, but I didn't marry, so I was 29 and, uh, so you were what they would we have called. We didn't wait long. You were what they would have called an unclaimed blessing. Well, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> I always love that expression instead of yeah. old maid. <laughs> yeah, it's much better than old maid because in those days you were an old maid at that age. Now it's completely different. I have the most beautiful granddaughters and uh, some of them are most of them are in their 30s they don't even think about getting married they're too busy with their careers and their lives it's not important anymore but in those days it was but you were an independent woman. You had had this career in the army. You'd done modeling in Montreal. You'd had a little bit of romance in your yeah. life. And then you got married, and he moved you to Cape Breton. Yeah. So tell me what that was like. Well, it was a culture shock, we'll say. But uh, I soon started to enjoy it. I loved Cape Breton, and you know, uh, about 75 years later, <laughs> um, that's where my heart is. Mm -hmm. Jack always wanted to move back to Ontario because he thought I missed it. I'd lived in Ottawa and Toronto and Kingston and a lot of places there, but I didn't. You know, I changed, and uh, and you I, made great friends in Sydney, didn't you? Oh, I made lots of friends, and uh, including the Graham family. They had ten children. I had eight. The boys played street hockey. They had to put extra street <laughs> lights up. There were so many kids. <laughs> But those were the baby boomers. Those were the days you, you had lots of children. It's very different now, but uh, I'm glad I had a big family. It's wonderful. You know, in my old age now, 102, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I should be dead, but I can't. I don't know how. I have the faintest idea. So. Let me take you back to those early days in Sydney. What was marriage to Jack like? Well, what a question. <laughs> I had eight children. It was pretty fun. It <laughs> <laughs> sort of tells the story, doesn't it? Yeah. And he was a captain in the army? Yes. And did he travel or was he around most of the time? Uh, during our marriage? Yes. No, he was around most of the time. Well, obviously, yeah, for he the even, kids. He even came home for lunch. Oh, did he? Yes, my sister said, oh, I married for better or for worse, but not for lunch. <laughs> However, I had him and all the kids for lunch. They went to school, came home, 
for an hour and a half. This is a long time ago. They're all in their 60s and 70s now. Uh, but they all came home for lunch. And what was your social life like with Jack? Oh, it was wonderful. We uh, It was very plain, but it was actually the way everybody lived in those days after the war. We entertained at home. We rarely went out for dinner. I didn't like going out for dinner, but we entertained at home. <laughs> I laughed because my great-grandchildren here, I watched them growing up, and they go, their parents go out to dinner with friends, and they take the children. We like to go out to get away from the children. <laughs> so our party started at 9 o'clock, between 9 and 10. You put the kids to bed, read the stories and everything, and then you got a babysitter. I think it was 25 cents an hour. Now, it's a different story altogether. But, uh, no, and we went to wonderful parties. It was difficult getting up the next morning, but still it was, and, and they had a good time too. They came home from school and they played, or they played, we had a basketball hoop, and they played outside. I counted 32 kids out in our backyard after school. It was like compound interest. Yes. Your kids just multiplied. How did you keep the romance alive with eight kids in the house? Well. There I go asking personal questions again. With a great deal of difficulty. It took effort. <laughs> But never mind, it, it, it lasted. Unfortunately, the marriage didn't because after, um, I'm not sure, 38 years, uh, Jack died of cancer, mm -hmm. which was very difficult. And really, he was only 65 years old. He was far too young. When I look at my kids today, they're all as old as he was when he left me. So I've been a long time alone, and I left Cape Breton, and uh, the house was much too big, and I didn't want to go to the city. I had a dog and a cat, and, and my daughter lived in Lunenburg, so I came here. And here I am, still here. Still here, thank goodness. Still here. I'd love to go back um, just a moment to talk about times with Jack, because one of your daughters said to me, ask her about what my dad did with her shoes at the dance in Montreal. Do you remember that story? Oh, he put them in his pocket so I couldn't leave. <laughs> but I, how would she remember that? She wasn't here. That was pretty resourceful. <laughs> and did your cousin ever get over the disappointment that she well, didn't she nab him? Oh, yes, yeah, she got. She came. She spent every Christmas with us, but she didn't come to the wedding. Oh, that was a bit much. No, no. 
No, it was a good marriage. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't exciting and and wrong. We didn't travel. You know, we were we were busy, mm-hmm. but we got after uh, a few years in Sydney. We got a summer home in Marguerite Harbour, and that is incredible. We bought this old farmhouse in Marguerite Harbour. And uh, we saw it. We went out there on Labor Day weekend and found, we're just exploring Cape Breton, and we found this lovely little village with the most beautiful beach. Gorgeous. So this old house was empty in the village, and we found out who owned it. And... Here we were with these kids. We'd been on the beach all day, and they were all in the back of the car. You'd laugh. There were no no car seats then. We had a station wagon. We had a mattress in the back, and they were all on the mattress. And this man came out of his house, and Jack said he was interested in the old house. He said yes. And he looked at all these kids. He said, you couldn't afford it. (laughs) And Jack said, well, try me. Just how much? How about $1,500 sold? (laughs) And do you know something? That house is still there. And seven of my eight kids have houses in Marguerite Harbor. Two of them live in the big house, they call it now, and the others all have houses around. So it shows how much it meant to them. Mm-hmm. They love it there. This podcast is brought to you by Charm Diamond Centers, Canada's largest family-owned jewelry store. They are proud to be putting love on the map. And the staff at Charm Diamond Centers are thrilled to be a part of your love story too. So visit CharmDiamondCenters.com or one of your local stores. Love starts here. What did you love about Jack? He was just a perfectly... I was brought up with rather high-end people. I loved my parents and I had a very happy upbringing but Jack was plainer. He was from Charlottetown. He grew up on a farm. He had a completely different upbringing than I did, but I liked it. There were a lot of things that irritated me about my growing up, about what I was told to do and what not to do. And... Uh, I found, I just found it was comfortable. He was very comfortable. Mm-hmm. We had a plain, happy life. And did you do hobbies together? No, we didn't do nothing. <laughs> he, he was a golfer. He was a wonderful golfer. And I thought, oh, I was a tennis player. I never played golf. And I thought, oh. I can hardly wait to play golf with him. I played once. (laughs) Obviously, he never wanted to play with me again. 
So I just had babies instead. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, we didn't really have anything in common. He, he loved to hunt and to fish. And uh, so we, I worked out, you worked these things out. I loved to go to Ottawa to see my mom and my sister. We were very close. So I went every spring. And the 21st of April, I always think, my mother's birthday and the Queen's birthday. <laughs> and I always went for two weeks. That was fine. Jack didn't want to go to the last place he wanted to go. <laughs> and uh, so he went he went fishing, and in the fall he went hunting, and we worked that out. It was fine with me. So maybe that was part of the secret to your well, happy marriage. It, it probably was. We weren't together all the time. Mm -hmm. So you moved to Lunenburg, and then you began a different kind of relationship that ended up being a love story. Tell me about your time with the VON. Well, um, I didn't. I didn't start with the VON here. I, 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 the first time I met the VON was when I had my fourth child, and I think it was um, some health organization. They, a VON nurse came to visit when I got home from the hospital. Oh, and. Uh, she she organized the house in about two seconds. She was absolutely wonderful. Then I had a VON nurse when Jack, the last week of his life, when I uh, I got a VON nurse at night so I could get some sleep. So I had that experience with them. But when I came here, I was very unhappy because... I was alone. There were no, my daughter was here, but she was very busy. She had three little children, and uh, so she, she was occupied. So I thought, well, I'll just say yes to anything. So people, you know, I joined the hospital auxiliary. I joined the church guild. I, I, I did whatever was necessary where they wanted volunteers. And the hospital auxiliary, the VON, a VON nurse came and she said, we would like to start a foot clinic. And uh, we wondered if the hospital auxiliary would sponsor it. So I found myself volunteering to run the foot clinic so, you know, I did that for 35 years, 30 years, <laughs> and I just loved it, and I fell in love with those girls, those nurses. They were wonderful. It seems to me, Joy, that you were still taking care of people. So you, you brought up eight kids, and then you moved to Lunenburg, and you almost began a relationship with the community. Oh, yeah, but that, that's great. I love doing I love. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, <laughs> but I do get along with people. I love people, and uh, 
I seem to, you know, people come to me with their troubles, mm-hmm. and the foot clinic was more than feet. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I got to be so friendly with all these people. I loved them, and I made the appointments, and I and I arranged everything, and it was just, uh, I didn't cut toenails. <laughs> that was the nurses that did that. I I think the VON do the most wonderful job. They go out and they visit so many different people. And you think during the pandemic, they're going from one house to another. And they never know exactly how long they're going to be with a patient. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's quick and sometimes it takes a long time. But they're wonderful women because they know what they're getting into. It's not a nine-to-five job at all. Mm -hmm. And they're all great. They're LPNs and RNs. So So let's go back to last April. I called you one day when we were in lockdown, and you said, Nancy, do you know about this Major Tom in the UK? Oh, do you know what he's doing? Do you remember that conversation? Yes, I certainly do. We were we were sitting out in the garden because you couldn't come in. Right. That was the beginning of the pandemic. Yes, and actually, you're responsible for all this because <laughs> I said I've been reading about Major Tom. I can't remember his name now. This this man, I said, you know. He's going to be a hundred, and he's walking around his property a hundred times before his hundredth birthday to make money for health care. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, Nancy, I could do that. I walk all the time. And you said, you're doing it. <laughs> and before I knew it... and. You said, for the record, you said, I'm older than him and I can walk further. Yeah. <laughs> and, Joy, you said, you know, I think I should do my part and raise a little money for, you know, someone yeah. nearby. Yes, and you said, now, who would you like to raise money for? And I thought right away, the VON, they're always broke. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I, I heard it so often. So that's how it all happened. So talk about what you actually did. What, what was your plan? Well, I never saw. I thought maybe I'd make $25 or something. <laughs> I never saw it. But I thought, well, I should have a route and walk every day until my 102nd birthday. So June, my daughter and I mapped out a, a route that I thought I could easily walk. Every day. Which included quite a steep uphill. Well, yes, but yes, the the last (laughs) part was uphill, but Mm -hmm. that that was all right. But unfortunately, uh, after a month of walking, I was getting along, everything was perfect. And uh, I had a very bad fall. 
I can't tell you what happened because I have no memory. I fell down the stairs. I was alone. And June found me when she came home. And uh, I had a very bad fall. I broke both my wrists and numerous other things. <laughs> and so and there was little hope, actually. Yes, but we knew we had to keep the walk going because it was raising money for VON. Well, I said to them, I have to do my walk. I just want you to fix me so I can walk. I have to walk. But, Joy, for a while you couldn't. And I know that when you went into the emergency that day in fairly bad shape and you had had hit your head and you had a concussion, you still said, you have to get me back to walking very soon. I'm doing this fundraiser. But we knew that you couldn't. And the, the first video that we'll run a little clip of was produced by my friends Marie and Megan at Mirror Image Media. And I helped them and we put it together and we knew we could show off your personality and that it would go viral, which it did. I chose a walk, which would be 0.8 kilometers. And if I do that 102 times, I should be able to do it before my 102nd birthday if I live that long, but uh, I'll do the best I can. I'm in the departure lounge, but the plane never comes in. So I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And then when you fell, I realized right away, okay, we've got to keep this going and maybe we can even create bigger momentum by including others. So I posted a Facebook page called Walking for Joy, and people from all over started posting. And that's when the world really fell in love with you. Do you remember the reaction? Well, I, I was so touched because the children in Sunday school all walked for joy. And I could look out the window and see them walking by. It was that that touched my heart that these little children would care enough. Mm-hmm. And I had phone calls, you know, from people who were almost as old as I am. <laughs> Said I haven't even thought of walking for years. I must find my shoes. And, you know, I think I would love to uh, pay back. And right now, I can't because I'm almost blind and uh, I have a little heart problem where I can't walk very far. But I, as soon as it's warmer out, I will start walking again. I'll walk that same distance. I will. Until I'm 103. (laughs) That's long enough. Then you'll retire? I'll retire. Let's talk about um, part of the reason you wanted to do the fundraiser for the VON was because of the horrific incident in Nova Scotia last April 
the mass murder. Yes. So that was a big part of why you said, I want to do this for the VON. Can you talk about that? Yes. Well, there were two wonderful nurses who were murdered in that. Kristen Beaton and Heather O'Brien. O'Brien. Heather Mm -hmm. O'Brien. Yes. They were wonderful girls. That was a terrible tragedy. And I thought, well, I really would like to include them in this fundraiser. Mm-hmm. And So uh, you did it in honor of them? Yes, I did. And then the most incredible thing happened. Teddy O'Brien, Heather O'Brien's husband, called, and he said... I would like to come to Lunenburg. He lives in DeBert and bring you 102 roses. <laughs> and he and his two daughters came with 102 of the most beautiful roses I've ever seen. I couldn't believe that. And they were so nice. And they came in and stayed for quite a long time. It was wonderful. And Kristen Beaton's family was so touched as well. Oh, yes, and her mother, her grandmother wrote to me, I have the most wonderful cards and letters. I'll never forget it. I've kept every one of them. But, Joy, I know that you got cards and letters from across the country because apart from the O'Brien and Beaton families, it turned out that the VON, the members of the VON across the country were so incredibly moved by what you did. And it was such a tough time. They were on the front line of the pandemic. And I think the morale was low when you started this. And I, I don't imagine you could have dreamed how beautifully they would have reacted and how much it would have meant to the VON, you doing this. No, I, but I do now because one nurse from Quebec sent me a prayer shawl. It's absolutely beautiful. I love it. I use it every day. Mm-hmm. Beautiful shawl she made herself. You know, things like that. You can't believe it's restored my faith in human nature. Well, I think the you world rest- is full of wonderful people. Yes, but I think you restored their faith in human nature. Oh, well, thank you. I- so I want, this is a podcast about love. So I would like you to leave us with what you've learned And it can be advice or it can just be a lesson about love in your life. Well, love is the most important thing. You know, the tragedy is the people who aren't loved. There wouldn't be any criminals in the world if everybody had the same opportunity of growing up with love. But they don't. Some of them are completely neglected, and it's, it's very important to know love. With that, shall we talk about the fact that your name is Joy, and I think that mattered to the, the VON campaign, 
because you really did bring joy to people. Oh, good. Thank you, Nancy. But the secret is that's not your real name. Oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, Mrs. Saunders, what is your real name? Esther. <laughs> I've never, ever been called Esther. I don't know why I was baptized Esther. So when did you become Joy? Right away? Right away. It must Apparently, have... I was born in England, and I was baptized Esther. And uh, somebody, an uncle, came and said, it was the end of the First World War. He said, look, she's brought joy to the world because I was born just as the war ended. So they just started calling me Joy while well, I was already baptized, so that was that. <laughs> well, you've lived up to it your whole life. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for this. Oh, it's wonderful. It's been fun. I don't know what I said. We, <laughs> it was all good. Will you, will you do me a favor? And I want, to, uh, I want to hear you say goodbye like you do on the phone because I notice one of the things I love uh, about talking to you on the phone is the way you say goodbye. So if we were on the phone right now and I said, okay, that's great. Take care, Joy. Bye-bye. Bye. That's it. Oh, I never saw that. <laughs> Bye. That's <laughs> joyful right there. Isn't she something? In recognition for Joy's extraordinary accomplishments, she was recently awarded the Sovereign's Medal for Volunteers by the Governor General of Canada. Her VON campaign has raised over $78,000. And if you're inspired and would like to contribute, click the link in our show notes. I work with an amazing team that oversees our meals and transportation programs right across the province. These are the programs that you're supporting as you walk every day. Because of you, we're able to bring food to folks across the province who need it and take them to their essential appointments for their well-being. Joy, you brought joy to VON. We walk in solidarity with you every single day. We are grateful to you. Out of a dark time, you have brought so much light and joy. Thank you so much. Thank you, Joy! As one of our founding volunteers at our foot clinic in Lunenburg, I know the staff, the nurses, the clients, and the other volunteers truly all see you as a joy to all. Hi, Joy. Thank you for all you are doing for VON and our communities. You are such an inspiration. And I just wanted to thank you for being you and being wonderful and being full of life and being... 101 years old. Thank you so much for supporting VON and thank you so much for everything you do. Hi Joy, I just wanted to say I loved your video, I love your spunk and it was so awesome to see you raising all that money for VON while getting outside and getting active. I just wanted to thank you so much for what you were doing. Um, it's pretty amazing. I just can't say enough. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Canadian Love Map. If you love us, please subscribe and share. We'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map. This podcast is presented and made possible by Charm Diamond Centers. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter.